Hello and welcome back to Pops, Guys Church Unplugged. My name is Jordan, and if it's your first time here, or if you're a longtime member of Pops, I'm glad you're here. This episode, Aji completes James chapter 4 and his message, It's Never Too Late to Have a Better Ending. Take it away, Aji. We have been studying the book of James, and I'm happy to announce to you tonight, we're going to finish James chapter 4. <laughs> We've come a long way. So when we meet in 2022, we'll be starting with James chapter 5. <laughs> the last chapter of James. Then we'll actually be thinking what our next book will be. So anyway, to God be the glory. So tonight, we're going to focus on James chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. James chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. And it reads, Come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Those are some powerful scriptures. And that's where we're going to dwell tonight. We're going to brush those scriptures over and again and say, what's the Lord saying to us? What's the Lord saying to you specifically? And I'll read my introduction. Recently, we lost some local Christian heroes. Dr. James Passavant, founder of Northway Community Church. Tunch Ilkin, a former stealer and a major contributor to the Light of Life Rescue Mission. Scott Grinder, chairman of Christian Sports International. We all know these men. They were part of our community, part of our group. They've all attended the Big C. In fact, I remember Scott Grinder. I saw him about two weeks before he passed. And he walked by me. I was at the prayer station at the Big C. And he walked by me going to the car. I never knew that was the last time I would see him. Reflecting on the passing of this man got me thinking, how will I want to be remembered? How will I want to be remembered? And I ask you the same question. How will you want to be remembered after your time on this earth? What will you like written on your tombstone? What acts of faith do others see in your life today that will shape their perception of you when you are gone? Will you be remembered for your faith, ministry, talents, influence, money, power, character, your generosity, or something else? How will you be remembered? James ended chapter 4 by directing his attention to the professionals, the businessmen and women in his congregation in Jerusalem, who have become very worldly in their minds. He admonishes these individuals to turn their reliance upon themselves to reliance upon God. And he cautioned them about the brevity of life and the uncertainty of tomorrow. The title of this message tonight is, It is never too late to have a better ending. It is never too late to have a better ending. So let's look at verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend time there, buy and sell, Make a profit. So what is James trying to communicate to us with those few verses? James is trying to communicate to his congregation and to us who are here tonight. 
is telling us God is interested in the success of your employment and your business as much as he's interested in the success of the church. Write that down. God is interested in the success of your business as much as he's interested in the success of the church. Many people do not know that. God wants you to be very successful, highly successful in your vocation. Because it is through your vocation, your employment, your business, that money comes into the church. Salvation, healings, ministry to the drug addicted people, every form of ministry is done through the money that you bring into the church. And that is why God wants to be a partner in your job, in your vocation, in your business, and is interested in you being very successful. So when you read this verse, the verse we just read, come now, you will say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. James was not condemning business and work practices, but what he was condemning is the wrong attitude and motive of independence and arrogance behind the practices. And more specifically, the total disregard of God's will in planning for the future. Because when you read that verse, you could see how it reads. Let's read it again. Verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Pompous. Pompous attitude. Prideful. Arrogant. You see, God is not happy when we are focused on long years of pleasure while shunning preparation of the world of eternity yet to come. Because, brother, a trillion years from now, you will be more alive than you are right now. You are never going to die. You are just going to change zip codes. You will change zip code from your current zip code to the zip code of heaven. The future is great, but it needs cultivation and preparation. And what are you cultivating? What are you preparing today? Look at John 2, 13 to 16. John chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get this thing out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. These people, they are using the church to conduct business. Instead of going to church to worship, praise God, serve others, help others, pray for others, they were very highly business-minded. And granted, they are doing a good thing. Because back in those days, many people come from all over around Jerusalem. And they have to come and offer their sacrifice. Because Jesus Christ has not yet died at the time. They have to bring a blemish-free goat, a blemish-free sheep. Some have to bring different types of animals. And it is very uncomfortable to bring those animals from such a long distance. You can imagine if the animal has to excuse himself, they have to feed the animal, the animal has to sleep. It was very, very time-consuming and labor-intensive. So they have to buy their goats and their calf and their cow when they get to the temple because it was much easier. 
But these businessmen and women, they went beyond providing the cows and the goats and all the animals. They were price gouging. So instead of, they would buy the gold for $100, and it may be sell, instead of selling it for 120 or 110 make a little profit, they were doubling the price. Then on top of that, they weren't even giving their tithes. The church was not getting anything from it. It was just a selfish engagement. And when you look at Matthew 21, 13, it further clarifies why Jesus drove them out. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 13, he said, And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Jesus called them thieves. He called them thieves. So that tells me two things. Number one, they were cheating the people. They were not focused on God. They were not focused on getting people saved, praying for them, healing them, and all that kind of stuff. They were thieves. When was the other time God called people that are in the church thieves? Let's go to Malachi 3, 8 to 9. Because it's always interesting how we define a thief. And it's also interesting how God defines a thief. Look at Malachi 3, 8 to 9. Will a man rob or defraud God? Yet you have robbed and defraud me. But you say, in what way do we rob or defraud you? You have withheld your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse. For you are robbing me, even this whole nation. So you can see the definition of God when it comes to what a thief is. In God's eyes, a thief is a person that is not giving to God what is due God. They were not paying their tithes. They were not giving their offerings. They were after their money, profit, and they were shunning the cause of God. Which is to pray, to worship, to be a blessing to others. They have compromised the purpose of the church. The mission of the church was compromised because they were seeking after their own gain. So I will encourage you tonight, don't rob or defraud God. Because for one particular reason, if you are not tithing, if you are not giving offering, there is a curse on your head. And that is not me. That is what the Bible says. It says you are cursed with the curse. You don't want to be cursed with the curse, particularly if the person that's placing that curse is God. That's not a, it's not good. So if you are not tithing here tonight, I will encourage you that you get home and you write out a tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of what you make. And you know what I found out? When you pay God 10%, you will do more better with 90% left over than you will do with the 100%. That is a statement of fact. And if you're here tonight, if you're not tithing, test me and come back and tell me if what I've just told you is not true. You see, you cannot outsmart God. You are not smart enough to outsmart God. If God told you, give me 10%, that means he has plans for you. That's a great deal. Verse 14, James 4, 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Let's look at the first part of that statement. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, what is James telling his congregation? And what is he telling us? James is addressing the futility and the fatality of planning for tomorrow without God. It is highly fatal and futile for you to be planning for your retirement without God. It is highly fatal and futile to be planning for 2022 without God. Perhaps you have made your plan. Perhaps you have said, just like those people, 
next year I'll do this, I'll do that, then I'm going to go to Chicago and do this and do that, then I'm going to go to Florida. Yeah, that's where we're going to live, and then we're going to go to this and do this and do that. And you have not considered God. God has brought you here tonight to hear this message. Go back to your plan and ask God, what will you want me to do? Don't present your plan to God and ask God to bless it. Ask God, what do you want me to do with my life in the years to come? Because God has made a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are planned to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and an expected end. God is your dad. And just like any good dad, just like what you do, how you plan for your children, you know when their birthday is, you talking with your wife and you surprise them with blessings and gifts. You know when they are going to college and you put the plan 529 and all these educational plans aside. God is your dad. He loves you. He has a wonderful plan for you. And don't cheat yourself by not consulting God. It is fatal and highly futile to make plans without God. Look at what Proverbs 27 1 says. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Never brag about the plans you have for tomorrow, for you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring to you. No clue. And the second part of that verse is this. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And I like the Greek, the Greek interpretation of that verse. The Greek interpretation says, Our life is a smoke, always fleeting, lasting a very short time, uncertain, quickly fading, and disappearing, and obscured with various trials and afflictions. When James said, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It was drawing our attention to the brevity, the brevity and uncertainty of human life. The first part of that verse addresses the fatality and the futility of making plans without God. The second half of that verse addresses the brevity and uncertainty of human life. And I want you to draw your attention to the statement, our life is like a vapor. What does it mean by that? Our life is a vapor. It means compared to the passing of time, your life is a vapor. A puff of steam, here only momentarily, and then gone forever. You see, irrespective of the amount of time you spend on this planet, 80, 90, 100, 120 years, it will still be a very short time when compared to eternity. How will you compare 120 years to a trillion years, quintillion years? You will still be alive. Why will that 100 years be so, oh, you are worrying about things and you are just so, so just caught up with all the details. You don't pay your tithe because, oh my God, I just want to enjoy my 120 years. When you have a quintillion years ahead of you. And the God of that quintillion year is trying to help you spend your 120 years preparing you for the quintillion years yet to come. So we need to be more understanding and see life from God's perspective rather than from your perspective. Be sensitive to God's will. Get closer to God. Familiarize yourself with him because that's the person you're going to be with for billions and trillions of years yet to come. Our present life is a vapor compared to the passing of time. Let's look at some other scriptures that addresses that. Psalm 102.11 says, My days are like an evening shadow that lengthens and vanishes with the sun. And as for me, I wither away 
like grass. Job 8.9 says, For we are only of yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are like a shadow, just a breath or a vapor. First Chronicles 29.15 says, For we are sojourners, temporary residents, resident aliens before you, and tenants as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope of remaining. It's like you go to a park. You go through that park to get home. That is what life is. You are walking through a park, and soon you will be out of that park. You're coming from the Father of Spirits. That's what God is. And he has launched you into the planet for such a time as this with a specific intent and purpose. And your time will be off. Your time will be cut off at one point, and you go to the other part. So you are only a stranger. You are just a temporary resident. That's why you don't want all the things of this life to stick to you. Keep the mentality, you are a citizen of heaven, and you are a foreigner on earth. Don't get caught up in all the things, particularly in the times we live right now. So get worked up. Watch CNN, then go to Fox. Then get all worked up. Then turn on the radio. And then see how the Steelers are doing. And you are pounding the table. And you are like, oh my God, I can't just stand it. And you are just worrying and stressing your life away. You are stressing your puff away, your vapor away. You are cutting it even shorter. How foolish. And I like Jesus' lesson on life because he's our Savior, he's our Lord, he's God. Let's look at what Jesus' teaching is about life and about planning for tomorrow. Let's look at Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, and remember this is God speaking. This is the Son of God. This is the third person of the Trinity. Okay? Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, how could you mess that up? I mean, can you, can you screw that up? I mean, how many people could even have, English is my second language. I even understand that. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. How many people have worried about their life today, if you are honest? We've all worried about our life today. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will hear, or anything else you might have thought of today that has caused you worry. It's not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. I will encourage you to meditate on that scripture for the remainder of the week, or even for weeks to come. Just let it sink in. Let it sink 
in to your spirit. Let it settle you and calm you down. How many times did Jesus say worry in those verses? Six times. Six times. He cautioned us about not worrying. And why should we not worry? There are five quick lessons that Jesus shared in this short passage. Number one, Romans 14, 23. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Worry is sin. Write that down in capital. Highlight it. Shade it. Underline it. Worry is sin. Because worry is doubting the ability of God. You are saying God is not enough. It's not big enough to take care of my problems. So I better start figuring it out because I don't really have a God. That's what you're saying. You are doubting God's abilities whenever you worry. Never forget, worry is a sin. Number two, worry is deadly. Worry will kill you, will put you six feet under. Premature death. We don't want to hear you slumping over on the toilet or collapsing in the bathroom. That is what happens to people that worry. You see, continuous feelings of worry, and this is documented fact by scientists, continuous feeling of worry releases dangerous hormones. Hormones that are meant for fight or flight. I'm talking about adrenaline and cortisol. They are only meant for fight or flight. Just instances, minutes, where maybe you are walking in a park and you see a bear and you have to quickly run. But when you worry, those hormones are not meant to be streaming in your blood 24-7. But when you worry over and over again, and your heart becomes to palpitate, and you breathe faster, and you begin to feel, those hormones, adrenaline, and cortisol remains in your bloodstream. And you know what they do? They trigger things like heart attacks, strokes, suicidal thoughts, bone degeneration, macular degeneration. You accelerate them. Because you've put the body under a state of fear. And thereby you leave yourself susceptible to the enemy, the devil. To wreak havoc in your life. So number one, worry is a sin. Number two, worry is deadly. Number three, worrying is foolish and never accomplishes anything productive. Worry does not produce anything. Look at verse 27. Jesus said, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Worry doesn't produce nothing. Worry kills. It degenerates. It causes you to get sick. It wrecks your marriage. It wrecks your children. Number four. There are five things Jesus taught in that lesson. Worry is sin. Worry is deadly. Worry is non-productive. Number four. You take worry by saying. Look at that. Look at verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what are the things you are saying often? As you say and you repeat, you take worry and stress. For example, we never seem to make it. We always get flu every year. We live paycheck to paycheck. You know what? I'm not surprised I have this. My father died of it, and that's why I have it. What are you saying? What software is playing in your medulla oblongata, in your brain, that you keep on playing the record over and over and over and over? You are taking worry. Watch what comes out of your mouth. If it is not a blessing, do not say it. Rather than saying it, if you're worried and you say, you know what, I don't have, my, I don't have any money, I don't know how I'm going to make it, instead say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
<laughs> Father, I thank you. You are my shepherd. Father, even though the bank account right now looks pretty red, but I thank you. You are the Lord, my shepherd. Money cometh to me from the north, from the south, from the west, from the east. All needs are met. All wants are supplied according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The moment you start saying stuff like that, you discharge heavenly angels. They go forth. They bring you your job. They bring in your money. Remember, you are a king and a priest, and you rule by your tongue. When you say things and you confess your lack, you lock the prison cell and you throw the keys away because you are made after the image of God, and God rules with word. Remember, we live in a word-activated universe. What you say is what shall be. As a man thinketh, as he saith, so shall it be unto him. That is why you cannot just be joining people and saying anything. Oh, do you know what they are saying? The economy is going down. Oh, everything is expensive. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to do this. Rather than say what God says about you and see it come to pass. And Jesus said, number five, instead of worrying, strive first for the kingdom of God. Volunteer in your church. Be an usher. Be a partner with God in the business of salvation and changing lives. Do something for your neighbor. Join a ministry at church serving others. Seek first the kingdom of God. And he said, when you seek first his kingdom, everything else shall be added to you. Verse 15 says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Instead of bragging about tomorrow, he said, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. What does he mean by that? He's saying that it is prideful and arrogant on our part to make all these plans when we can control very little. And by the way, let me caution you. God is not saying do not plan for the future. I want to make that very clear. Because even the Bible encourages planning. There is nothing wrong with planning. But it is very important that you depend upon the Lord more than you depend on yourself to fulfill your plan. Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. What James is saying is this. Pray before any decision and be led by the Lord. Pray before any decision and be led by the Lord. And when you go to the Lord in prayer, don't go with your own plan. Don't say, Lord, this is my plan. Bless it. Go to God and say, God, this is me. I am your son. You put me on this planet, on this earth for such a time as this. You have a plan for my life. What will you have me do in regards to this situation? Father, this is what I'm thinking to do, but I don't know if that's the right thing. I want you to speak to me in the days yet to come and direct me how I should go. Because sometimes we are caught up in our own plan because we've done the research. We've gone online. We've spoken to Uncle Bob. We've talked to neighbor Jane, and we've read the books, and we think we know. And God is looking and saying, is he ever going to come to me? Because God has intelligence you don't have. And he wants to impart it to you. But you have to come by faith. So pray before any plan. And don't come with your plan. Seek God's plan. Look at Proverbs 16.3. Proverbs 16.3 said, Commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to him. And your plans will succeed. If you respond to his will and guidance. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. 
with all your heart rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go but unfortunately this was not what james's congregation was doing let's read what they did again come now you will say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away instead you ought to say if the lord's will we shall live and do this or that i want us to take a look at a man that was very rich and did a lot of planning and he fell into the same pit that james congregation was falling in let's look at luke 12 16 to 21 and let's learn a few lessons from this man and he gave them this illustration. There was a man whose land was very productive. He debated with himself, what should I do? I haven't enough room for all my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build the bigger ones. And I will store all my wheat and other goods there. Then I will say to myself, you are a lucky man. You have a big supply of goods laid up that will last many years. Start taking it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool, this very night you will die. And the things you prepared, whose will they be? That is how it is with anyone who stores up wealth for himself without being rich toward God. What is the one word that jumps out at you when you read about this man? What word jumps out? I. Six times he said I. He debated with himself, what should I do? I haven't enough room for all my crops. I will do this. I will tear down. I will stop. I will say to myself, me, myself, and I. God doesn't want you to live like this. He was making all this grandiose plan. He was crossing all the T, dotting all the highs, And God was looking. And one night, he was continuing making that plan, and he was thrilled, and he was laughing. He was like, hey, hey, you're such a lucky man. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. And get who shows up. Who busted on the scene? Someone busted on the scene. Pow! Who was that? God. God said, buddy, you're wrong. Tonight, you will die. I feel very sorry for this man, because this man worked hard. But he never realized the source of his blessing. You see, he was a farmer. And his land was very productive. Who gave him the land? God. Who made it productive? Who gave him the energy and the strength? Who gave him his mind? Who did he forget? There you go. He was a self-made millionaire. Self-underlined, highlighted. But he forget God. You see, everything you have is from God. And when you leave this planet, you're going to leave it behind. As you came like a little baby, so you shall be in the coffin. And we have to recognize these facts. And that is why it is never too late to have a very good ending. And that's why God has brought you here tonight. James 4, 16. 
But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So basically, James is telling them, any action or thought that doesn't acknowledge dependency on God is prideful and evil. So James was saying to these individuals, you made your plans without God. Now you are rejoicing in your arrogance and pride for the outcome of your plan. And James is saying that is evil as well. Because you neglected God in the planning, now you are wriggling and smiling and rejoicing over the plans you made without God. He said this is evil. And when you look at Proverbs 8.13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Pride, arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. James 4.17 Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You see, and you can hear the heart of a pastor here. James has been their pastor. James has been the one preaching to them all this time. And James is saying, basically, all I've shared, all I've taught you, you've totally neglected, you've ignored, and he said, this is sin. James told them to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving themselves. But here they are being hearers and not doers of the word. And this arrogant attitude alienates them from God. It makes God their enemy because they've totally left where God is and they've chosen their own plans. So as we begin to wrap up tonight, I want to ask you again, what do you want on your tombstone? Where is your focus? It is never too late to have a better ending. I look at Abraham. Abraham lived 175 years. 175 years Abraham lived. Do you realize the first 75 years he lived in sin? He was a very rich and wealthy man. But one day God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave her of the Chaldees. I want you to leave your city. Do not take anyone with you because I have a place for you. I have a place I want to take you. I have a land promised to you. He said, leave your city. You see, it's never too late. I don't know how old you are tonight. It's never too late to have a better ending. Moses lived 120 years. At 40 years, he tried to fulfill the call of God on his life by his own hands. But he failed miserably. And he had to flee from Egypt. And he lived another 40 years as a farmer in the desert. 80 years he lived. But with God, it's never too late. At 80 years, God approached Moses with the burning bush. Why am I saying this? It's not too late for you. It's never too late to make a change, starting tonight. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 21.20. 2 Chronicles 21.20. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 80 years. No one was sorry when he died. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the royal cemetery. How old was he when he died? 40. He was 32 years when he became king. He reigned eight years. He died at 40. And that's why you young people that are here tonight, don't think, oh, you know what, this message is only for my dad. 
Big mistake. This message is for you. Because Jehoram thought he was a stud. He was a bad boy. He was rich. He was wealthy. He had influence. But at 40 years, he was gone. And look at his legacy. No one was sorry when he died. May that never be a legacy of anyone here or any pops man or any big C man. May that never be our legacy. No one was sorry when he died. He died like a dog. Even a dog, you feel sorry. You cry for a dog. But for this man, no one was sorry when he died. Very miserable, bad ending. Because he lived without God. But let's look at another man. 2 Chronicles 24, 15 to 16. Jehoiada lived to a very old age. Finally dying at 130 years. He was buried among the kings in the city of David because he had done so much good in Israel for God and his temple. Now, which of those two legacies will you like? I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that everyone in the sound of my voice and everyone that will listen to this podcast will live a full life that there will be no premature death, there will be no early death, that you will live all your days. And after you are gone, may people say, Oh my God, he lived and done so much good. He did so much for God and the church of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something nice to have on your tombstone? Rather than no one was sorry. See, that is what we are talking about tonight. It is never too late to have a better ending. Never too late. Make the adjustment tonight. And you can say, Aji, I don't even know what adjustment to make. I have lived my life the way I've lived it. Give me some ideas. I will do that. You see, the secret to living a great life is to simply live a long series of great days. Never forget that. The secret to living a great life is to simply live a long series of great days. So what do I tell you? Live in day-tight compartment. You and God can overcome any problems, any issue, any addiction, if you will face it one day at a time. Jesus said, tomorrow has its own worries. Worry about today. Be focused on today. Look at Deuteronomy 13, 19 to 20. Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. Today, you see, today, it's telling you today, one day, one day at a time, today I have given you the choice between life and death, blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make, or that you will choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him, this is the key to your life. See, God is advising us. That is the strategy. Live in daytime compartments. Lay every decision before God. Every decision we make will have two outcomes, life or death, blessing or cursing. If you don't know which one to choose, ask God for wisdom. Begin to take each day and live it. Tomorrow is Friday. Take Friday as it is. Commit it before God. Ask God to give you the grace and the strength that you need 
for one day at a time. Depend on God. Don't become too cocky and arrogant that you think you don't need God. Oh, my bank account is full. 401k is taken care of. I have some offshore accounts. Children are out of college. I could do anything I want. I'm free. No debt. Always wake up committing your life to God. Just say, Father, I am yours. Teach me to number my days that I could gain a heart of wisdom. What are my next steps, Lord? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Don't assume anything. Father, I thank you for all you've blessed me with. All of it is yours. I know I'm going to leave it behind. Be humble before God. And then the Holy Spirit becomes your coach. He tells you what to do, how to do, when to do, with whom to do. That process begins tonight, brother. Aji is so right. That process can begin right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, Romans 10 tells us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you have any questions about what that means, I encourage you to find a local church and seek out an elder or leader in that community. If you are a believer, we hope this message challenges you to take a step closer to Jesus today. Whether that means confessing your sins to someone, repenting of sin, or maybe seeking reconciliation from a brother or sister, we encourage you to take that leap of faith. This has been the last podcast for this season of Pops. We plan to be back in 2022, but until then, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. God bless.